We're going to be looking at the principle of praise. And somebody says, well, we'll be. Nothing new or exciting or different about that. I'm always thanking God. I thank God every day of my life for my health and for my life. I thank God for my family. But we've missed the point. The principle of praise asks this question, or the Bible does. What do you do when you don't have good health? What do you do when you are facing death? What do you do when you don't have a family? What do you do when everything you have built falls to ashes? What do you do about praising them? If you're looking for a good title for this sermon or for this teaching from Ephesians, you could call it How to Be Thankful When You're Not. Or perhaps How to Be Thankful When You Have Nothing for Which to Be Thankful. Somebody said, every day the world rolls over on somebody who is just sitting on top of it. I recently read an illustration of how that works. In 1923, at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago, at one table in a restaurant in that hotel sat seven men. And these seven men were viewed by the whole world as being objects to emulate. They were men who together controlled more money than the entire United States Treasury. At that one table, there was the president of the world's largest utility company. At the same table, the greatest wheat speculator in the world. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, a member of the cabinet of the president of the United States. A man known as the biggest stock trader on Wall Street. The president of the Bank of International Exchange and the head of the world's largest monopoly. Kids all over America looked up to those men and said, if I could only be like them. But today, as we are able to put things into perspective, we can write the whole story. The president of the world's largest utility lived the last days of his life on borrowed money. He died penniless. The great wheat speculator died abroad insolvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange served a term in Sing Sing prison. The cabinet member was pardoned from prison because he had a terminal disease and so he could go home and die with his family. The man known as the biggest stock trader on Wall Street, the president of the Bank of International Exchange, and the head of the world's largest monopoly, all committed suicide. Every day, the world rolls over on somebody who is just sitting on top of it. And so the question before the house this morning is simply this. When your heart's broken, how do you praise God? When everything is in ashes around you, what do you do then? When the Bible says to praise God. Our text, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, let's read it together. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, and here it comes, always and for everything, giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. Now, because some of the other things that I'm going to be saying this morning aren't going to be accepted by everybody, let's check out some other scripture verses so that we can see that I'm not just proof texting. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, Paul says. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Doesn't say that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so what's the principle? The principle is that when you're down and out, when nothing's working out, 
when you have tremendous tragedy in your life, praise God for it. We had a, in one church that I served, a daily radio broadcast, and we had a tremendous engineer who was uh, with uh, RKO Broadcasting. And this engineer was just fantastic, but with the little money that we had and the equipment that we had, he had an awesome task. And I remember one day from 9 o'clock in the morning till almost midnight, we put together one 15-minute program. And I just thought, Lord, I just can't do this. There's no way under God's heaven that we're going to do this thing every day this way. There's not that much time. And I walked in the next morning, and this engineer who's now studying for the ministry had a big sign on the board. And he said, praise God anyway. That's the principle. And that's the principle to which Christians are called. Now, somebody's going to say, well, I understand that Paul said that, but Paul didn't have my problems. I understand that Paul was a great saint of God, and I'm just a common, ordinary man or woman. And Paul didn't have all of the, all of the problems that I have. Well, let's check and see. In Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, he says, give God praise in everything. Did you know that most scholars see that as the last letter that Paul wrote to any church and that he wrote it just before he put his head on a chopping block? In Thessalonians, this letter was one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote. It was written around 49 A.D. And if you want to find the context of that letter, turn to the 17th chapter of Acts and you'll read what happened immediately preceding the writing of this letter. Paul had a ministry in Athens. You know what happened in Athens? He bombed. He bombed miserably. He left Athens with his tail between his legs because he just couldn't cut it. In Philippians, Paul, if you'll read the first chapter of Philippians, you'll find was again in prison and facing execution and saying, even if I am to give up my life, it's okay. Case in point, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 29. Paul is speaking. Are they servants of Christ? I am too. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I have been shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger from the city, danger from the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure upon me of my anxiety for all the churches. Okay, when Paul says, praise God in all things, he's paid his dues, hasn't he? When Paul says it, you can listen because he knows what he's talking about. Paul wasn't tiptoeing through the tulips with Jesus. Paul was not a man for whom everything in his Christian life was sweetness in life. He knew what it was to hurt inside and to be lonely and afraid and to be beaten down and broken. And yet he says, praise God in every circumstances. So the question is, how can you do that? But before we answer that question with four things that Paul will give us, I want to give you a preliminary observation. There's some here who are saying, I can't do it. I've got too much on me right now. It's ridiculous for you or for the Bible or for God to say for me to give him praise when I feel the way I do right now. Let me tell you something. Sometimes 
God withholds his blessing from your life until you praise him. Sometimes God withholds his blessing from your life until you praise him. Matthew 6, seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be yours as well. In the 42nd chapter of Job, we find that Job finally, everything having fallen apart, having, having seen his children, his lands, his home, everything that he had built wiped out, Job fell on his knees and praised God. And in the 42nd chapter of Job, it says, and the Lord restored Job's fortunes. We have some friends who are now in New Hampshire. He's studying for the ministry now. And the wife of this fine young couple, over the last three years, has been suffering from just a terrible disease. Uh, she is, as the doctors explained it, allergic to herself. And it's a hard place to be. She got worse and worse. And everybody prayed. The elders of the church went and anointed her and prayed over with the laying on of hands. We did everything. We did everything. And all she did was rebel against it. And finally, about six months ago, we talked to them on the phone. And she said, you know, Pastor, we finally come to the point to know that if it's God's will for me to stay this way the rest of my life, I'll praise him for it. She's now well. And she, Holly, and Griff Vaudier have just finished school or are headed up to New Hampshire to serve a little Baptist church. Now, I'm not saying that God is an ogre. And I'm not saying that God is waiting around saying, if you don't do it my way, I'm going to strike you down and you've got a problem. But God is saying simply, I want to teach you a principle. And that principle is that I'm in charge. And you can praise me in everything. Do it. And it will bear results. All right, I moved the previous question. How do you praise God when you've got a broken heart? How in the world can you praise God when everything is going wrong? Well, I would call before us the Apostle Paul to give witness. And I think we would ask him a question and then call the answers from his letters. So if we ask him, Paul, how in the world, with all of your problems, could you praise God? I think Paul would say, well, first, I can praise God because he's my father. And quite simply, he deserves praise. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and here it comes. One God and Father of us all who is above all and through all and in all. Let me tell you something. The natural inclination of a child is to praise his or her father, even when that child doesn't understand the father. This week, I had lunch with a chaplain in the Navy, a former Navy chaplain. And this chaplain was saying, Steve, I want to tell you a story that happened to me that really taught me something. And he said, I was on this gigantic ship where I was serving. And there were literally hundreds of men on that ship and a lot of brass, a lot of officers. And he said, there was one young man who was the lowest of the low on this ship. And he came up to me one day as we were coming into dock and he said, chaplain, my family, my wife and my little boy are going to meet me at the dock when this ship comes in. And would you, would you mind coming out and uh, let me uh, introduce you to them? The chaplain was flattered and he said, I just would be pleased to do that. 
So when the ship came in, all of these admirals and captains and whatever, and all of these men in high rank came down the gangplank, and the chaplain went out with this young man and was introduced to his wife and his son. And the little boy, when the chaplain spoke to him, pointed to the ship and said, that's my daddy's ship. That's my daddy's ship. And the chaplain said, he didn't care whether there was an admiral standing around. He didn't care about the captains. He didn't care about all of these men. As far as he was concerned, his daddy was the only thing in the world. And that was his daddy's ship. And his daddy said for it to move, it would move. Now, that's a natural inclination on the part of a child. And it should be ours, too. My father's the king of the universe. And though he slay me, I will praise him. My father is the king of the universe, and he deserves praise, whatever happens to me. My father is the king of the universe, and I will praise him no matter what, period. In Puritan New England, they used to ask the new men who were to be ordained, would you be willing to be damned for the glory of God? Would you be willing to be damned for the glory of God? And in seminary, when I thought I was so sophisticated, I used to laugh at that question. But it has some validity, some truth, and some food for thought. Secondly, if Paul were here, I'd say, Paul, how can you praise God in bad circumstances? And he'd say, I can praise God in all things because I am at the center of God's will. I am at the center of God's will. In Acts 9, 15 and 16, you remember Ananias was God's servant, and Paul had been out persecuting the church. And he had wreaked havoc on all the Christians. And God comes to Ananias and said, I'm going to convert Paul. And Ananias says, no, you're not going to convert Paul. Paul is too mean. He's been, he's been dealing with the brothers and sisters in Christ everywhere in a bad way. You're not going to convert Paul. And God says, when he comes to you, you speak to him and you minister to him. And Ananias protests, and this is the answer that God gives Ananias. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. For I will show him, listen, how much he will suffer for the sake of my name. Now, I'll tell you something. I'm sure that later Ananias told Paul about this message he had received from God. When Paul was on a shipwreck, when things were falling apart, he must have remembered the words of God to Ananias and said, well, God knows, and I'll praise him anyway. Let me confess something to you first before I say something that will seem pride-filled, and I don't mean for it to. So confession comes first. I have a lot of mixed motives in my life. Every time I come and stand in the pulpit, there are all kinds of things that are wrong and all kinds of things that make me ashamed to even stand here. And I say that, somebody's going to say, oh, he's so humble. No, just factual. I'm just telling you the truth. But I'll tell you something. In my heart of hearts, when I get to the very basic quality of my life, I want more than anything in the world what God wants. And I mean that. And so sometimes, sometimes when I'm afraid, and I'm just beaten down, I want to go back and spin records at a radio station somewhere, sometime when I just want to get out, and I feel that I ought to praise God, but I can't, God says, what are you doing here, Stephen? And I say, Father, I'm here because you put me here. Then says the Father, let me mold you. 
Let me give you the circumstances and then praise me for it. Colonel Youngsbun was sent to Tibet by the British government. He was asked if he were not afraid. He said, no, for two specific reasons. I've been sent by an unimpeachable authority for a purpose which is sound. Secondly, if I get into tight places, I have the king's government and all his resources to back me up. Thirdly, if Paul were here, we were to ask him, say, Paul, how can you praise God in bad situations? He would say, I can praise God because of the great expanse of eternity. Romans 8, 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Last week, we spoke of one of two magnitudes, the shortness of time. This week, I would hold up for your consideration the second of those magnitudes, the vastness of eternity. And when you see things in that perspective, you can praise God because he's going to balance his books. Anne of Austria said to her cardinal, My Lord Cardinal, God does not pay at the end of every week, but in the end he pays. When Alan Cameron, the tremendous covenanter, was in prison, he was brought the head of his son Richard on a platter. And Alan Cameron fell back on the floor and then recovered himself and said, It is the Lord. Good is the will of the Lord. How in the world could he do that? Because he was looking at the perspective of eternity. What difference will it make a thousand years from now? Finally, Paul would say, and we're going to get over this quickly. Paul would say, I can praise God in all things simply because... God is in charge of everything, period. Romans 8, 28, we know that everything, no exceptions, works for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Dr. Ronmacher said that a young man on his way to Vietnam says it makes very little difference to me whether I'm in a foxhole in Vietnam or driving down an expressway in Los Angeles because I serve a sovereign God. And nobody can take my life unless God allows it. Now, if you've been sleeping through the whole sermon, remember this. Everything, everything that enters your life as a believer has a purpose. Everything, there's no exception. Everything that enters your life as a believer has a purpose. There aren't any accidents. You see, God, God knew that if he took the time to explain to us the vastness of his plan, we wouldn't understand it. He knew that with our small, finite brains, there was no way under his heaven that we could understand how he's putting all of the pieces together. And so rather than take the time to do the almost impossible, he gave us two words. And those two words are simply, trust me, trust me, trust me. The text, let's read it again. Whatever is happening to you, good or bad, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody to the Lord with all your heart. And no matter what, give thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. Why? Why? Because you're his child and he's worthy to be praised. 
because you're in his will, because you are in eternity, and because he holds all of the strings. When William Borden, the son of the wealthy Bordens, received his commission to go to China as a missionary, everybody was excited. Borden had big dreams and big ideals, and he was going to win China for Christ. And he was there for a few weeks, and he got a disease, and he was close to death, and he knew he was going to die. And his final words were these, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. You think about that. Amen. Thanks for listening. And as a small thank you, make sure you check out our free digital magazine. Just visit us at keylife.org slash digital magazine.